Well, again, welcome. Glad that you're here with us. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors. Let me read our scripture for us today. Uh, it comes from Revelation 21. Uh, we're going to talk about Revelation 21 and 22, but I'm going to read uh, 21, 1 through 5, and 21, 22 through 27. Hear these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And skip down to verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. All right, show of hands. Who is ready for 2020 to be over? Am I right? I know, it's almost like cliche to say it at this, at this point. Of course, we, we longed for it. And we're on the home stretch, people. Like, this is, this is it. We've got 39 days left. There's Thanksgiving, a few weeks until Christmas. And then you'll have survived this dumpster fire of a year, right? Unless, unless of course, something like this were to happen, right? This would be fun. Oh, my you get that? Like, it's still 2020. No, like, it kind of reminds me of, of, of Groundhog Day. Uh, this movie, by the way, it's one of my favorites. It's taken on all new meaning for me uh, this year. Uh, so here, here is my prediction for 2021. Let's watch. No, right? Like that, we don't want that. That, that quote has been like on uh, repeat in my brain uh, for the last nine months, people. It's, it, feel, it feels like that. But like, don't you long for better days? Like I, I long for a day when I don't have to think about it every time I leave the house. I long for a day when I don't have to be worried every time I see my parents. I long for a day when we're reunited with friends at church that we haven't seen in months I long for a day when everything we say isn't filtered automatically through a political lens. A day when masks will be no more. When arguing with people about masks will be no more. A day when, when school feels normal and, and work feels secure. When hand sanitizer is no longer the aroma of choice, right? I long for a day when the sniffles don't ruin my week. And while I'm at it, I also long for, you know, justice, unity, and world peace. Like, this is, this is what I want for 2021, right? Like, this is, this is my Christmas list. 
And so what are you longing for? What are you longing for? Today we come to our final message in the book of Revelation. Congratulations, church. You made it. Uh, you got through it. We should buy you all t-shirts. I survived the revelation. Like during a pandemic series, pandemic and an election, we go through the book of Revelation. It's kind of crazy, right? And yet, if you've been with us at all during this time, you know the book of Revelation is a book of longings, isn't it? It's a book of, of, of longings different from today and yet strikingly similar. Why? Because every longing is a longing for home. Every longing you and I ever have is a longing for home. Everything you're hoping for, for for 2021 or underneath the Christmas tree, you're not not longing for normal, believe it or not. You're not longing for pre-pandemic life. It's not a vaccine or a better nation or even... Even a spouse or a child or a job or a cure, as important as those things are, you are longing for home. And Revelation shows us that home is on its way. Church is almost here. And every longing will be fulfilled for every longing is a longing for home. And so if you haven't already, turn to these last two chapters of the Bible, right? Revelation 21 and 22. And Revelation, over and over, right, each week has been building uh, to this great fulfillment. When Jesus the bridegroom, we've said it's like it's building to a wedding, right? It's building to a wedding and a a home renovation, essentially. When, When Jesus the bridegroom is forever to be married to his bride, the church, and heaven and earth become one. Our home for our new life together. You see, heaven isn't, isn't some like, you know, spiritual realm out there somewhere um, where we just get to, you know, become angels, float, float on clouds, play our harps. I mean, gross, right? Nobody wants to do that. That's not, that's not the picture that this book paints. Well, and it's, it's not some eternal church service, right? Like, I'm a pastor, and that sounds like an awful way to spend eternity, right? I don't want to do that. That's not, that's not it, though. Heaven is the new creation. Heaven and earth become one. Not separate realities, but one reality. Our home here, but with God. And every longing we ever have is a longing for this home. Now, we're going to touch on this today, uh, but I'm really excited about our Advent series starting next Sunday. We're going to build on everything that we're talking about here because we're going to spend the next five weeks on a series on heaven, what it is, what it's like, and how it is the ultimate thing we are longing for this Christmas. It's what we're waiting for, people. So that starts next week. I'm really excited about that. Today, today think of it as, as an appetizer. As we, as we close Revelation... We see three truths about this future home. Every longing is a longing for home. For home is a place of healing. That's that's the first thing. Home is a place of healing. When Jesus returns, when he establishes his kingdom, those who are with him will be 
healed, made whole. The sad things will be made untrue. So here, here again, Revelation 21, verse 1. Right? John says, then I saw. So John, again, John, like he, this is a vision that he had of, of what, is, what is in store for us. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Wait, no sea, right? That's, that seems weird. No more beach vacations in heaven? That can't be right. But, but the sea, and remember, everything in Revelation is highly symbolic, right? And so the sea in the ancient Near East was not a place to enjoy, right? It wasn't, it wasn't their vacation reality. It was a symbol for, for chaos for them. And so when we think of the sea, we picture it like this, right? This is what we think of. Like, of course I want to go there. But for them in the ancient Near East in the first century, like, when they thought of the sea, this is what they thought of. It, it was a place of darkness, a place of turbulence. I mean, think about it. Without technology, the sea is a terrifying place. It's a place to get lost, eaten, or drown, right? And so in the new creation, John is saying, there will be no more chaos, no more disorder, no more unknown futures. Instead, there will be unspeakable beauty. Verse 2 then. John says, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Like, the, let that image, that metaphor, let it sink in for a moment. You know, one of the, one of the most enjoyable parts about being a pastor uh, is standing up at the front of a church, you know, groomed to my left, he's terrified, Right? as his bride walks, walks down the aisle, right? And I get like the front row seat to experience both of those things. He's, he's nervous, freaking out a little bit, and she has never looked more beautiful, right? Like she's adorned for this incredible day, and that, that's the image here that John sees, that when heaven and earth become one, it is unspeakable beauty. And John, he, he tries to describe it. Let me read a little bit, verse, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And he goes on, he describes it with gold, sapphire, agate, emerald, onyx, carnelian, chrysolite, beryl, topaz, chrysoprase, jacinth, amethyst, and pearl. Who knew John was a geologist, right? But he's grasping at words to describe this, this unspeakable beauty. And beauty heals. I think, I think that's the idea of why John spends so much time describing the breathtaking nature of this environment. Like studies today show us how beauty heals. Like the power of a, of a sunset or snow-capped mountains or, or a flowered meadow. Like all of these things, they're part of the healing for us. In fact, uh, Kurt Thompson, he's a psychiatrist. I, I heard him just this past week at our most recent Common Good conference. He said, beauty is anathema to evil. I love that. Beauty drives out evil. It heals. So chaos is gone. Beauty moves in. But more than that, the healing will be personal. Look, look at how it goes on. Back in, in 21 verse 4. It says, he will wipe away 
every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Again, let that sink in for a moment, that God himself will be the healer. And so the pain that you carry, the tears that you have shed, God himself will wipe them from your eyes. Every tear you have ever shed. And everything that has caused them sad things, untrue, no more death, crying, or pain. And he will make all things new. Now, don't, don't miss this. It doesn't say he'll make all new things. Like he's going to throw away all the old and start over, right? We all, we all that's, that's not it. Out with the old, in with the new. That's not, that's not the, the image here. It's not all new things. It's all things, even the old things, made new. The good things, the, the beautiful things, our bodies, our lives. They're not, they're not replaced with something entirely new in this new future reality, but they are made new. And so we'll still be us. Right? I'll still be me, but whole. And God will do that with all of reality. With the entire world. And then it builds in chapter 22 uh, to this, this image of the tree of life at the start there. It says in verse 2 of 22, The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Like a, like a balm, right? And I, and I love this, just even wrapping the whole story of Scripture together, right? Because this, this, is, this is the same tree from the Garden of Eden, the tree of life. Not, not the one that tempted us, right? Not, not that one. The tree that gave us life. And so think about it. The Bible begins with a tree, ends with a tree, and centers with its climax upon a tree, Right? where Jesus gives his life for us, a tree of life for our healing, a restoration of what once was. This is a return to the garden. Everything that we've lost, everything that we've missed will be made new, and this home is coming here. And every longing you ever have is a longing for this home. For this healing. That's the first thing. This home is a place of healing. Okay, so we'll be healed, right? That's, that's good. It's good news. But what's to stop it from happening again? Right? What's, what's to stop the hurt from breaking back in? You see, home cannot just be a place of healing. It also has to be a place of safety. And that's, that's the second thing here. It is a place of justice and righteousness. Not, not only are the sad things and bad things made untrue, they can never get you again. You will be truly safe, completely secure, and justice will have been served. We long for that, don't we? I mean, yes, we, we want to be healed, but we also want to make sure that it never happens again. 
And so skip, skip down 22, verse 12. Jesus is speaking here. He says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. We long for justice. We long to feel safe, right? Don't we? We we long to be secure. This this has been the cry some of us have heard in very fresh ways this summer from many of our black brothers and sisters, right? A deep sense of wrong that must be righted and a longing to to tear it down. And, And God is saying here that he will tear the broken systems down. And that, that, is our, that is our hope for tomorrow, but also our motivation to work for justice in every form today. Because a day is coming when there is no more war or oppression, no more racism or superiority, no more bullies, right? No more political battles or abuse of power, no more demonizing those who disagree with us or, or dividing people by, by language or color of their skin or the nation that they're from or the amount of money they make or the way they, they vote, Because when we're truly home, it won't even be possible. 21 verse 27, it says, Nothing unclean will ever enter it, this place. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The work that we do for justice now he will finish. And all of those longings we have are a longing for this home, for a place of safety. And yet at the same time, we all know, don't we, that home is so much more than that, right? I mean, yes, it's a place of healing, but hospitals can do that. And yes, it's a place of safety, but a fortress can do that. For home to really be home, to satisfy our deepest longings, home also has to be a place of love. That's the third thing. That's that's the great climax of this book. Home is a place of love. The difference between a hospital, a fortress, and a home, right? Home is about the people who are with you. It's, It's defined by who lives there. Home is about who you come home to church. God is going to come live with us here. Like Jesus himself in the flesh, we will see him, talk with him, know him, and be known by him here. I mean, you can't, you can't miss it, right? 21 verse 3, behold the dwelling place of God, the house of God, right? The place where he lives is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And again, and at the end of the chapter, right, 21, verse 22, it says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp 
is the lamb. He's saying there that the whole world is God's temple. And we will live together in the light of his presence, the light that we experience, the warmth of that light, right? How good does it feel to be, you know, sitting in the sun, right? To feel that warmth. That'll be the light of God shining on us, warming us with his presence. You won't have to look for God anymore. You won't have to wonder if he's real. You won't doubt his love or feel like he's distant. You will be healed you will be safe, and you will be loved. This is the real promise of heaven, which we're going to unpack these next several weeks together. This is the real promise of revelation. Jesus is coming, and he will live here. And every longing you ever have is a longing for this home. Okay, so... When and what now, right? It's a big question, isn't it? When will all of this be? Well, Jesus actually tells us, doesn't he? He says it a couple times there at the end. I know for some of you, like, this is the moment you've been waiting for in this Revelation series. It's like somebody just to tell me when this is going to happen. Well, Jesus does. He says, soon. Oh, good soon i mean revelation ends with these words right jesus says surely i am coming soon so when dear church soon and i feel like one of my kids in this moment especially when they were younger you know dad when can i have some ice cream soon shut up right it's like you say soon to a kid, it's like, oh, you mean right now, right? And I'm going to beg you until it actually gets there. I mean, I feel some of this with Jesus, right? It's very clear. He and I have very different definitions of the word soon. Because here we are still waiting. And I think about John in this moment. Think about him with me for, for just a minute. You know, John, who, who wrote this down, because John, he is, he's still like, as he's writing this, he's in exile, right, for his faith. He's been pushed off. He's living, sort of isolated this existence on an island, right? And this is, this is the same John who actually knew Jesus when he was on earth, right? Who had, had walked with him, talked with him, seen the miracles, heard the sermons, watched him die on a cross, saw him alive again. John experienced all of that, and then Jesus disappears for decades. And, and now finally on this island, in exile... Jesus shows back up for him in this, this crazy vision, and John saw all of this. Imagine what that must have been like, right? Everything we just talked about in Revelation these past couple of months, right? He saw it. And then the vision ends, and John goes back to whatever it was he was doing in exile before this. Alone, living a life he had never imagined for himself waiting. He's an old man at this point. I mean, you think 2020 is bad. John dies waiting. So what would he say to us? Does he walk this road? Since he experienced this disappointment or frustration, what would he tell us as we wait? Well, I think he's got three parting instructions for us 
They're all right here at the end. I think, I think this is what he'd say to us. As we wait, first, he tells us, come to him and drink. Church, I love this metaphor. I love, I love this picture. Because whether, whether for the first time or the thousandth time, John says, come to him, church. Come to him, people, and drink. Let Jesus be your refreshment your satisfaction, and your joy. Every longing is a longing for home because every longing is a longing for him. And you can have that now. Like getting, getting things back to normal, whatever that even means, right? It's not going to do it. The perfect Thanksgiving, fat chance, right? Whatever you're hoping for, for Christmas, or, or the right politicians, or enough money, or success, or whatever it is, right? None of it is is ultimately going to be enough. We are all searching, every one of us. And John says, come. 22 verse 17, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Aren't you thirsty, church? I think some of us have... have felt it more this year than perhaps we ever have. Church, I am parched. And here's the offer. Come to him and drink. Give your, give your life to him. Let him be your satisfaction, your hope, and your joy. Come to him and drink. Second, while we wait, I think John would also say, walk with faithful courage, church. Like, if you're going to do this, do it faithfully and do it courageously. I mean, that, that is so much of what Revelation is about, through and through, right? This, this call to the church to be different than the world, to not lose its mind when everyone else is. Because listen, church, like, we, we're realists about how broken the world is, aren't we? Like, Again, if you've been with us in Revelation, Revelation shows us the world can be a dark and broken place. There is real evil and there is real pain. Christians do not ignore it. We don't sweep it under the rug. We don't offer ridiculous platitudes, right, or live with some naive, foolish sense of optimism. That is not our story. We don't know if 2021 is going to be any better. But we do know that Jesus will never leave us. And that's enough. And so we are not afraid. We are not in despair. We, we will not give up or lose hope. When there is panic around us, turmoil, even bubbling up within us, we know the God who is sovereign over all of it. And we will walk with joy-fueled confidence and love to those around us. Amen? I mean, this, is, this is where the book even, even ends, right? If, uh, 22 verse, verse 7, like this, these commands to worship God and to, to obey him, they come out a couple times. And, and Jesus says in verse 7, he says, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy, right? Who, who does it? Who lives according to it? And church, if you know how it's going to end, we can get through anything. And so walk with faithful courage. 
then finally, last thing, whether we live in the first century or the 21st century, ask him to come. Ask Jesus to come, to make his home here with us. I mean, Jesus, would you, right? I'm tired of this. It's, okay, we're tired of waiting. We want to wait well, but we want you here with us. Lord Jesus, come quickly. This should be our cry. This should be our longing as a church, our daily prayer to Lord Jesus, come. Because every longing you ever have is a longing for this home. So ask him, come. Home is a place of healing. It is a place of safety and it is a place of love and it is on its way. And so we join with John at the end of these words and we say, come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do, we do want you to come. As John paints this incredible picture, it's hard to imagine what it was like for him to witness it and then to still have to wait. And even as we get a glimpse into what is in store for us, God, I pray that that would give us joy that it would give us hope, that it would give us motivation to be faithful now in the things that you've called us to. Help us to wait well. Help us to love well. Help us to constantly put our joy and our satisfaction in you. We can't do this alone. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would, you would do this work within us, that we, as your, your community together, we'd encourage one another, push one another towards this. And that we would see fruit among your people. We long for this, Lord Jesus, we pray in Christ's name.